You're listening to DraftKings Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome to Oddball. I'm Amino Hassan. And that right there, full of vim and vigor and energy and taste buds, the mm-hmm. one and only Charlotte Wilder, ladies and gentlemen. Give a round of applause. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. I have convalesced. Is that the word? Does that mean get better? Convalesced? It's, n- it's not a Grammy Awards speech, Charlotte. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm feeling a lot better, Amin, and I'm so excited <laughs> that I can speak without like getting sweaty. And um, I can't wait for Indiana later this week. There you go. I'm excited for our guest. Not Charlotte. Not Charlotte. But look, keep going. Keep going. I don't know. But it was Claire DeLune, friend of the program. I was so bummed that I was sick for this and that I missed this conversation. Writer for The Guardian, um, basketball aficionado, musician. Um, So this just means to mean that you got to talk to her. So we have to have her back on. Well, yeah, we need. I think we need to let you just do the intros from now on. I can't, I can't keep messing this up every single time. And it's funny. It's like, I'm not confused. It's just my brain takes over and says, no, no, I know what he means. No, no, <laughs> he's fine. He's fine. He means Charlotte Wilder, right? No, that's not what I meant. All right. Well, so we're going to talk to Claire. We're going to mm-hmm. get her pulse on the first half of the season and kind of look ahead at some things. And also a little bit about her background. I don't know if you know her whole background, Claire. I think that was absolutely perfect. It's like my brain is just hitting buttons like this one. <laughs> oh, shit, I fucked it like, up. All right. This I'll get woman. It right next this time. woman. No, other different woman. <laughs> it's all the C names. I know. I know. Darling. It's tough. Claire. I get it. <laughs> There's a D in there. Wilder. Dill, I also, <laughs> to be fair, I look like I could be a Claire also. So it's just like confusing. And she looks like she could be a Charlotte. Got a great show for you guys. Stick around. Fight weekend. It was a big weekend for fights. Not your UFC. Up. Not your boxing. Not word count either. No. It was NBA style. Rough them, tough them, tussling <laughs> and wrestling and hooting and hollering. As we start on Saturday and you get Draymond Green versus Nurkic, the rematch. It's the first time the Warriors had faced the Suns with Draymond Green in the lineup since the infamous flailing arm that led to an indefinite suspension for Draymond mm-hmm. Green. And so, Charlotte, I'm yes. pretty sure everything went <laughs> smooth and swimmingly. You know, Draymond went and had therapy mm-hmm. over those Polgate suspensions. So it was just handshakes and respect, right? 
Yes, they had. They actually shook hands before the game. Draymond kissed Nurkic on both cheeks. It was really That's cute. Uh, no, awesome. I mean, uh, obviously not. They they got all tangled up again, and then uh, and Nurkic was pissed about it. Even though I didn't think it looked that I, I wasn't I wasn't like up in arms about Draymond's um, behavior in that moment. Then Draymond drew a charge that was spectacular. <laughs> Is the only word I could use for it. And Nurkic just flops down right on top of him. Draymond gallops. You know how he sort of gallops after he does yeah. something like that? He'll gallop down the court. It's, it's a, a little strut. strut. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it seemed like um, all is well in terms of how those two are. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Point, pointing to his head says he's a dummy. Although I don't know <laughs> if he called him a dummy. That's what he said in the postgame presser. Mm-hmm. I just love, I've discovered that. All the hand-wringing and the, oh, my God, Draymond's out of control and all that stuff. I'm not a fan of that. I'm a fan of this. I'm a fan of watching someone lose a quarter of a season due to shenanigans and then come back and act as unhinged as ever. It was so fun. It was so fun. He wasn't towing the line. He was, like, sprinting up to the line to the cliff and, like, about the free fall, like it's just just no no restraint whatsoever. And I was like, Yeah, I love it. And, and my favorite part was to ask Steve Kerr about uh-huh. it. Steve Kerr was like, Were you worried? He's like, Nah, not really. I've been around it for 10 years. Like, <laughs> which which you would think would be like, yes, then I was very worried because of it. But I mean, he didn't go off the cliff. I really don't think Draymond went off the cliff. Like, obviously, you know, the what what he didn't go off the cliff but he sprinted he didn't like edge his way up to the cliff he sprinted out there with a blindfold and a skateboard and like he was like ah it didn't feel quite as much like the cliff as when he choked rudy gobert when he hit nurkis directly in the face you know what i mean like that cliff felt he didn't go off that cliff i would say this the rudy gobert one that wasn't that was like like, uh Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, like riding a motorcycle <laughs> over a ravine and then parachuting down. That's what the choke was. Mm-hmm. The hitting of Nurkic, I would say, was like the sprint up to the cliff and mm-hmm. then at the last second lose your footing on a pebble and yes. then fall over. Yes. Right? So, like, I would think at this stage, kind of like when the Anthony Davis uh foul where they were calling for a uh review yeah and he's not mocking Vanderbilt for the for the review like that's what I'm talking about it's like Mm -hmm. he's not edging up to the cliff like let me see where the boundaries are he's Mm -hmm. sprinting and then like power sliding like he wants to parallel park along a cliff like like gun the engine to a hundred and then put on the (laughs) e-brake and then just slide right to the edge like that and I You're realized, right. dude, yeah. that shit is so much more fun than watching him try to be polite and and under control and do the right thing. Don't do the right thing, Draymond. Just do that, shit, man. I agree. I agree. You know, you can't. We've talked about it time and time again. Like, how are you going to make Draymond something he isn't? How are you going to say go up to the edge of that cliff but don't cross it? He said in his presser. When someone asked what he learned from his suspension, Draymond said, I learned that our team is really good when I'm on the court. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, That was it. That was all he said. Uh, Nurkic, after the game, said it's sad he didn't learn anything, just a matter of time. He's going to hit somebody else again. Take back everything I said. He doesn't deserve a chance. Antics. Try to hit people. I mean, this is the this is the drama. This is the high, high tension um, stakes that I live for in the NBA and that makes it so different from it. Like these guys are just uh, Nurkic is just straight up talking Draymond now. Like you can't and, ask for anything more than this. I mean, and Draymond got his talked the back. My favorite yeah. part was Steve Kerr said something to the effect of like, no, these guys are competitors and they have respect mm-hmm. for one another. And then you listen to the post game co- comments from both the guys like, yeah, Absolutely not. There is absolutely no <laughs> respect going on in any of this. Here is now my dream scenario, though. Uh-huh. Okay. My dream scenario is so clearly the Warriors. I don't. I just can't see them. I mean, it's not a, out of the question. They've won four in a row as of this recording, and they're mm-hmm. four and a half games out of the six seed New Orleans Pelicans. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see them getting out of that plan. I want them to win the plan, but. Miami Heat style. I want them to be the eight seed. Go ahead, play like the Timberwolves or you know, or the Thunder, maybe in the first round. Get that knocked out. Mm-hmm. And then I want them versus the Suns in the second mm-hmm. round. Oh That's, gosh. I, I I would love to see that. I would love to see these two teams get together again. I think that would be fun. Almost as fun, Charlotte. Oh yeah. We're almost as fun as <laughs> your Boston Celtics. Who defeated a Jimmy Butlerless Miami Heat on Sunday, but not without a new chapter in Celtics Heat. We just don't like each other. It's so good. It's so good. I was going to say, talking about people talking each other after a game, Jalen Brown and Duncan Robinson, I mean, they got into it. They were drawing at each other the whole game, but then at one point, Robinson sort of got tangled up with Jalen. And then at a certain point, Jalen Brown hit Duncan Robinson's arm was under Mm -hmm. Jalen Brown's arm. And Jalen Brown just like flicked his arm and moved his body in a way that like looked as though it was meant to snap Duncan Robinson's arm in half from behind and then threw him down. And then they got, and then, you know, obviously immediately the ref is like technical, blah, blah. After the game, after the game, they were both just Jalen was like, I had to protect my space, you know, was not repentant mm-hmm. at all. Duncan Robinson was like, it was a dirty play. That's how people miss entire seasons. I mean, the 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 narrative arcs that we're building here, I, I have to believe they're going to have payoff at some point. And this one just feels so pri- it's like a tinderbox, right? Just light the match, light the match I in love, the playoffs. I love the Spider-Man meme of the Heat and the Celtics pointing at each other saying, <laughs> you're dirty. <laughs> Wait, what? Right. No, you're dirty. Wait, what? No, you're dirty. Like, it's, it's, it's that's what terrific. it is. It's terrific. And that's why these two teams give us such great theater when they meet in the playoffs. And they've met, what, four times now? Twice mm-hmm. the Heat have won, twice the Celtics have won. Ooh. It, it's, look, this is what we want. This is what we need. This is what we demand. <laughs> I need more of these. I need more of these. These I need these people to not like each other and to yep. see each other. On. So, so if we're keeping track at home, ladies and gentlemen, we said we wanted Bucks Pacers a mm-hmm. few months ago, right? Because mm-hmm. of the whole ball gate, right? We yep. want Suns Warriors. We want Celtics Heat. Yeah. Is there any other one of these things that I think we could really? Oh, do we want Knicks versus 
Who do we want? The I Knicks? think we want Nick Sixers for some reason. Nick Sixers. I feel that feels like uh, there's not there's not much going on right now, but I feel like that could get chippy because it's Philly and New York. Yeah. No. That's I, always going to get a little it. chippy, right? Yeah, I, I think that the the proximity thing. Nick's Cavs is another good one. Oh yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah, like having yeah. they met last year, Donovan Mitchell, obviously New York's prodigal son, now oh. watching them fall in love with someone else. Watch that. You know, it's like it's like the in the movies where the it girl keeps rebuffing the dude, and then yeah. the dude falls in love with someone else. Like what? You don't want me anymore? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. So that 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 would be fun, I think. Okay, oh, who man. do we want? Who do we want the Lakers to go up against? Uh, Nuggets. Ooh, I was gonna say Secaucus. Have you ever wondered if Chet Holmgren might be a descendant of Abraham Lincoln? Or if a UFC fighter could beat an alien in a fight? You might have not, and that's okay. But Shea Serrano and Jason Concepcion from the Six Trophies podcast have. If you love basketball, and more importantly, if you love fun, You've got to listen to Six Trophies, where Shay and Jason serve up the biggest moments from around the NBA with their brand of unbridled joy, banter, and pop culture side quests. Each week, they hand out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Stuff like the Denzel Washington in Training Day trophy, given out to the player or team having the best week around the NBA. Or the Lauren Hill, you might win some dot, 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 but you just lost one trophy for the team or player that just can't get it together. Plus a bunch more trophies for all the good, bad, or just plain head scratching moments around the NBA. This playoff season, you'll want to make six trophies your go-to companion podcast. Follow six trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Welcome back to Oddball. Our next guest is one of many talents, perhaps too many talents. She's uh, an L.A.-based musician named Claire DeLune, who's also a sports writer for The Guardian covering the NBA. Uh, Some people have it all, I guess. You might have heard her music uh, in any number of spots such as Netflix, Hulu, brands like Under Armour, Forever 21, Xbox. She's worked with Prince. And she's written some pretty interesting articles, including the one where Jimmy Butler says he's getting a country album made at some point. Claire, I I guess the question that I got to start with is, how does one cross over from the music world to covering the NBA? Not on purpose, I would say, first of all. Um, Basically, I just I got kind of obsessed with the NBA in my early 20s and my early 30s now, and I very quickly as I do with many of my interests, went from like casual to like, I'm annoying to hang out with because that's all I want to talk about. And so I quickly exhausted my music friends interest in sports and in the NBA. So I kind of turned to Twitter as like a community where I could just talk about it. And that has kind of evolved. Just NBA Twitter has kind of evolved organically from just kind of talking about it as a hobby to having a podcast to then my editor from The Guardian reaching out and asking if I had ever thought about writing. And I said, no, I've never thought about it, (laughs) but I would try it. That's that's almost that's almost exactly what happened to me. Someone from ESPN (laughs) asked me, you want to write? I'm like, "I, I don't know how to write, but I'll give it a try. And then 
here we are all these, uh, we all are. these years later. So, right, Claire, before I want to ask you, obviously, about midseason stuff, the, the, sto- the story so far, the, where the story is going to go, so to speak. But before I do that, I do have to talk about, again, the big story that you wrote that came out a few weeks ago about Jimmy Butler. You sat down with him. Yeah. Uh, you got a lot of information out of him about basketball, about life. But again, the thing that really popped out of that article was that Jimmy Butler, an avid country music fan, wants to release a country music album and has what was it, 50, 60 songs already in mind? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty wild. Um, I had heard him mention it kind of offhand in another article that he did in a Q&A with Rolling Stone, actually, and that I just stumbled upon when I was doing research to sit down with him. And he had mentioned that he was working on his own music. But um, yeah, he's I feel like he's quite ambitious with it. He said he has 50 to 60 songs done. He wants to have a couple hundred before he narrows it down, which I mean, as a musician myself, that feels maybe overly ambitious. But um, he did invite me to potentially come do a zoom into the studio at some point. So I I think he might be be genuine. (laughs) Like I Uh, I take his word for it. That's what I was going to ask. Did you get any proof from him? Did you have him play even a snippet on his phone? I, I personally didn't get any proof. However, after the article came out and it was getting that one segment of it was getting aggregated and got some traction, um, he did release a snippet of a song on his own Instagram uh, the next day. So and, I think that was his response to being like, no, I'm actually working on this. So as a professional in the music space as well, how would you rate his snippet? I thought it was really good. Um, I'm Wait, personally disappointed is that, that is that good for an athlete or is that good? Like, if no, his name was James I mean, I Butler? thought it, it sounded good. It sounded really professional. I thought the song itself was pretty catchy. I mean, I'm personally, as I would assume everyone is a little disappointed that he's not planning to sing on the project. Um, because I, uh, would love, would love to hear that just as a listener. Um, I told him that when we were talking, I was just like, I bet you could sing. Like, I feel like more people th- can sing than think they can sing. I think it's kind of an urban myth that it's just this special talent that only certain people have. And he was like, oh, I see what kind of friendship this is. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to like make me look stupid, make me make a fool of myself. Like I'm not going to fall for that. So he just kind of razzed me a little bit about it. But that's funny that the, again, the professional singer would say, no, anyone could sing. Go ahead. Why don't you go ahead and sing here? Here's a microphone. Go ahead and knock yourself out. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> you're sticking to your guns. All right. Let's talk, uh, Hoops, hoops. So we're halfway through the season. All-Star break is upon us. What's been the most interesting story for you just to follow along? To me, it's kind of fascinating that regardless of of how much fodder is given or not given to it, I feel like LeBron finds himself at the center of things. Um, I think maybe a little bit by design, but also just by the structure of the NBA universe. Like I was fascinated listening to NBA podcasts this week and having him at the center of the trade speculation mm-hmm. and being like, oh, is he going to go to the Knicks? Is he going to go here? And I'm just like, we have so little anything to go off of for that. But I just, I just think it's kind of amazing. It makes me wonder what it's going to be like in a post LeBron world with the NBA media machine will cyclone around next oh you're talking about a post lebron world, silly claire this is a post lebron world we'll all be dead and gone and he'll still be playing that's That's actually very true that's a fact so 
Let's talk about that. The Lakers visited the Knicks recently, and a lot of tea leaves were read on the internet and on various shows about, well, he wore orange shoes. Well, he did have a towel draped around his neck that was the towel of the home team, which is what every NBA game has, the home team towels. Everyone was trying to put two and two together. I asked the question, is LeBron even the right fit for the Knicks? I don't know if it answers yes or no. I want to see what you you have to say. Um, I mean, I think LeBron definitely could be the right fit for any team, salary cap aside, um, just because I think he can kind of be one through five, depending on what you need. And I think his f- facilitation skills mixed with his, you know, physical attributes, body, basketball IQ. Like, I'm sure any team could use LeBron James. I'm not going to act like if the Orlando Magic had the option, they'd be like, no, no. I think we're all set. <laughs> we have enough people your size. Paolo's pretty big. Um, but that being said, I I love the path the Knicks are on. Like, if I was the Knicks, I wouldn't take any major, major swings. I think they need, you know, maybe some more shooting or like at least like a, a sharp shooting guard of some kind off the bench. Um, they They need Mitchell Robinson back. But besides that, like, I mean, you know, we're both from New York. Like, this is a long-suffering fan base, and this is by far the most fun and exciting the Knicks have been in, I mean, maybe my lifetime for a long time, for a really long time. And I think they should just make minor tweaks on the periphery, especially with Joel Embiid maybe being out for the season. I feel like that two-seat is wide open for them, and they should kind of just stay, stay the course, would be my advice. So so if I ask you, because you're from New York, but you also lived in Minnesota, Two very mm-hmm. surprising teams. Which yeah. one are you more surprised about? I would say I'm more surprised about the Timberwolves because I was really down on that Rudy Gobert trade. I thought his defensive prowess really went off a cliff last year. I wrote an article about how it was maybe the worst trade of the 21st century. Um, I meant it, said it with my chest. Still can't really believe that worked out. Um, a, a lot of things, I actually just wrote a different piece about being wrong, essentially, and and how I was wrong. Um, but a lot of things had to had to work out in a very specific way for the Wolves to be as good as they are. And most surprising to me of which is that Carl Anthony Towns had to really lean into being a Robin instead of a Batman. And I just really never thought I would see that happen. I think he's really bought into being the second most important player on the team and bought in defensively, which is maybe the most shocking thing of all, I would say. All right. So we go from the most pleasant surprise to the most disappointing surprise. Who are the biggest disappointments in the first half of the season, Claire? I mean, I think you know that I'm going to say the Lakers. <laughs> You're dis- um, you can, wait, how, how much better did you think they'd be than what they are? They actually are? Okay. I definitely thought they would be better. Um, I, I think that I underestimated the Dennis Schroeder effect in that, you know, playoffs run. I think they also underestimated what he was bringing to the table. Um, But I think the main way I'm disappointed is that, and I I really can't believe that I was so young and foolish this summer to think this, but this was the first time since I've been in LA, which is seven years now, uh, that the Lakers offseason was pretty quiet, pretty chill, drama-free. You know, you go to shoot around leading into the season starting, everyone's just laughing and having fun. The vibes are great. Coming off a Western Conference Finals run, and I was just like, wow, a drama-free Lakers season. Like, what would that look like? Ah. I'm so excited to see a season where it's just sort of like no trouble in paradise. And how very wrong I was. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it, it's funny because in L.A. at least, there was so much excitement about their acquisitions. 
And I said, I think they're, they're better than they were a year ago. But when I start naming teams, stop me when you say, oh, the Lakers are clearly better than them. And every time I did this exercise, I would clearly get to six before anyone would say stop, meaning this team was going to be fighting for a play-in spot. And yeah. lo and behold, here we are fighting for a play-in spot. I, for one, am not surprised. They were disappointed. I think they're exactly what I thought they'd be. Like, they have nights when they look really good like they did when they beat the Knicks. And they have nights when you're wondering, like, is this team even going to get to play a playoff game uh, outside of the play-in. So yeah. going into the second half of the season, what are you looking forward to the most? I mean, I'm so excited for the playoffs this year because I I really don't know what to expect. Um, I'm excited to see like how that 7 through 10 play-in, like what how that part of the rankings shake out because I think we could get the, I mean, obviously, the play-in tournament is not a long-tenured uh, factor in the NBA, but in its short time, I think this will be for sure the most competitive uh, play-in games that we've ever had. Just because I think a lot of the biggest name stars, a lot of the like people with more playoff uh, pedigree, are going to end up um, mm-hmm. either because of injury or because of you know changes mid midstream, midseason, whatever, what have you in that seven through 10. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see who ends up there. Yeah. That's the weird part in the Western conference is that we're going to get a situation where very likely one and two are Minnesota and Oklahoma city teams that are very short on playoff experience. And mm-hmm. the reward they get for being the best two teams in the conference is you, you're going to either play the Lakers or the Warriors yeah. or, you know, or some other team that is really, really experienced. And so, you know, even though the talent and the records might say, oh, this should be an easy cakewalk for the top seeds, it feels like it actually might be the opposite. It might be a little tough. It's almost like you'd rather be, oh, I was going to say, it's almost like you'd rather be three, but then I realized six is either going to be like the Kings or the Suns. So that's, yeah. no, that's no walk it's, in the park either. It's going to be a bloodbath in the Western Conference. I think, I think you know, I said at the beginning of the season, I, some teams have have maybe underperformed a little bit, but for the most part, I think there's like, you know, 10 solid playoff teams in the West mm-hmm. and only eight of them are going to make the actual playoffs. So uh, it should be interesting for sure. All right, man. That was a great first half of our conversation. We've got a lot more with Claire DeLune. We'll play it a little bit later in the week, including her superlatives, who she's got for MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and her surprise pick for Coach of the Year. You'll never want to miss this one right here on Oddball. <laughs> no, my favorite Muppet movie is uh, uh, Muppets Take Manhattan. The one where Kermit gets... A classic, gets, a classic. When he gets amnesia. I still, the, the great Muppet caper I had on, on VHS and just watched over and over, so yeah. I'm. it will forever be my favorite. Uh, what's your name? Uh, Phil. Uh, Phil. Philip Phil. Uh, oh, hi, Phil. This is Gil. Gil, this is Jill. <laughs> Jill, this is... <laughs> Is that Manhattan? As they all walk, and every time they walk, it's like a little bouncing. Uh, all right. How about Ocean Breeze will get you clean? What? That's the most amazing slogan ever. <laughs> you become the Manhattan exec. I, I, I love that's like that's Kermit losing his soul, giving up on right. a Broadway thing to become an ad exec. <gasps> Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.